Welcome to the Ecclesia Global Podcast, where we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. Greetings. Here we are in the third installment of our series, Kingdom, Order, and Dominion. Uh, in the first part of the series, we talked about fruitfulness and how becoming fruitful with our talents, gifts, skills, and abilities brings about dominion. In the second part of the series, we talked about the passing of mantles and how the process of discipleship and mentorship uh, is meant to elevate or raise you up to the full stature of what it will take for you to execute in the calling and what God has placed on you. This third part, we'll talk about the law of influence. God's design and desire is for us to be people of influence. What good is your song if you don't have enough influence as an artist to cause people to want to listen to it? Or what good is your revelation if you don't have a group of people that are interested in hearing it? Or what good is it for you to strive for for perfection in anything if there's no influence to cause people to be interested in what you have produced? Say, Lord, make me a person of influence. By definition, influence is an ethereal fluid held to flow from the stars and to affect the actions of humans. It is also defined as an emanation of spiritual or moral force, and it is the act or the power of producing an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command. It also is the power or the capacity of causing an effect in indirect or intangible ways. So the premise of influence is that it is an invisible force that radiates externally and has the ability to impact to sway, or to cause things to happen without any direct physical involvement. The first principle in our understanding of the law of influence is that we are relying upon God to place his influence on us. We're not looking to the stars. We're not looking uh, for any emanation of the power of the soul. We're not looking for the ability of man or any other crutch to become influential. We understand that when God places his light and his power upon you, it begets influence and it will cause men and women to come into your life in order to be a blessing to your life. In the word of the Lord, Matthew, the fifth chapter, verses 13 and 14 says this, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Says in verse 14 that you are the light of the world. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Luke 14, 28 through 35 says this, for which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Or what king? Going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000 or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. It means it's not synonymous with your pursuit of what you want and discipleship of Christ. But he says you have to forsake all you have. And if you don't forsake all you have, you cannot be his disciple. Verse 34 says, salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land nor fit for the dunghill, but for men to throw it out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
When we consider the tabernacle of Moses, there were three dimensions. First, there was the courtyard or the outer court. Second, there was the holy place. And third, there was the holy of holies. The way to enter into the first dimension of the outer court was with thanksgiving and praise. It's something that you contain within yourself. It's something that you can give or release at will with minimal effort. It requires no production, nothing outside of you. But the way into the second dimension of the holy place required more than thanksgiving and praise. You had to enter into that place with oil and incense. In other words, there were things outside of you that have to be produced, that there are processes um, that have to be employed in order to enter into that dimension. The way into the third dimension was with blood. It had to be the sacrifice of a life, and only a special class could enter into that place. So the higher you go, the deeper you go, the more that's going to be required of you. I'm going to say that again. The higher you go, the deeper you go, the more that's going to be required of you. God promises that we will ascend from level to level and from glory to glory. As all of that increases, so will the value of what you bring to the table. That's why you can't allow anybody to discredit or to dishonor who you are because they don't know your process in God. They don't know what you've gone through to get to the place that you're in now. The incense and the oil required to enter into the second dimension is very important because the incense represents prayer and worship, while the oil represents joy and gladness and also praise. The elements that were used in the tabernacle for the worship of God were meant to be pleasing unto the Lord, right down to the aroma that the incense emitted. While praise and thanksgiving gave you entrance into audience with God, the only thing that maintained the access and positioned you to go further was what the Lord specifically required. So this is uh, a very interesting concept. We enter in with thanksgiving and praise, something that comes of our own accord. It brings us into immediate audience with God, yet in order to abide in that place of audience with God, you can't just do it of your own accord. It had to meet the criteria for what the Lord called for. Somebody needs to hear that. He gave them the recipe for the oil. It had to be made of myrrh, of cinnamon, of calamus, of cassia, of olive oil. He gave them the recipe for the incense. It had to be sweet spices and stacte and onicha and galbanum and frankincense. He gave them the actual measurements of everything in the temple. The second principle in understanding the law of influence is that although you may start out by your own instigation, it will take the expressed will and divine order of God to accomplish what he desires. A lot of people enter into this with a great idea of what they want or what they feel that they should do for the Lord. But in order to get to the place where you are manifesting the will of God, not just your good idea with God's name on it, but the will of God, you're going to have to know his express will and be acclimated and aligned with the divine order of what he desires. When your worship is sweet and your prayer is refined by the process that it takes to make incense, you will please the Father and you will cause him to open up his treasuries to you. The woman who poured oil on Jesus's feet gained influence because of the price and the preciousness of what she released to the Lord. The burial oil that she poured upon him was specifically designed by God's specifications and it cost a lot, uh, about a year's worth of wages or salary. As a result, Jesus said, wherever this gospel would be preached, that she and her action would be mentioned. Imagine that Jesus said that wherever this gospel, this gospel of the kingdom, this gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, you're going to hear about this woman. Why? We're talking about it today because she gained 
influence. One action caused her to be so influential that God equated the fame of her influence with the same level of importance that he put on the gospel. That's a pretty powerful statement about influence. So you can't just build a family, a business, a ministry, relationships by your own design. It needs to be an acceptable sacrifice before the Lord, not strange fire like uh, Abihu and Nadab. It can't be strange fire. And I believe that in this in this day, we're seeing a lot of ministries that are nothing more than altars of strange fire. It looks powerful. It looks dynamic. It looks influential. But the reality is we have to question whether or not it's a part of God's design. Did God order it? Is it done according to his requirements, his specifications? Is it producing what God intends in the earth over and above what man desires to see? In Matthew 5, Jesus expresses to them that they are the salt of the earth, and if they lose their savor, they're good for nothing. This is the Lord Jesus Christ talking. If they lose their savor, if the salt becomes seasonless, it loses its savor, and it's good for nothing but to be trampled under the feet of men. He said to them that they are the light of the world and that a city that is set upon a hill cannot be hidden. Now, we know that salt is a purifying agent that is known uh, for both protecting and curing meats, for killing bacteria and infections and having healing properties. As the salt of the earth, Jesus is showing us that we are what the earth needs to keep it from becoming contaminated, that we're called to secure what God has invested in the earth. But if the salt loses the savor, it loses its ability and its influence, and it becomes good for nothing but to be trampled under the foot of men. Listen to this. The only time you're under the foot of another is when the person on top has more influence. That's what makes your education and acquiring the right knowledge and being committed to God's processes in your life is a crucial priority. The kingdom message, the kingdom that has to be preached all around the world before the end can come, encompasses more than just the salvation of your soul or spirit, but it includes Christ's dominion in every aspect of your life. You cannot say, I'm a kingdom citizen if he's not the sovereign and the Lord over every aspect of your life. His domain of his kingdom precludes that he's the Lord of it all. Jesus compared them to a city that is the light of the world, that can't be hidden, but is clearly seen transmitting an intangible force that's an influence that's bringing light to the entire world. In Luke 14, Jesus speaks to them concerning building a tower. To build a tower means to exemplify dominion in a high place and to have the ability to look down upon the territory. He compares it with the king going to war with an army of 10,000 against the king who has an army of 20,000. In both instances, he reveals to them the need to take an appropriate assessment of your resources, the vision, and your strategy before you set out to accomplish the task. Because if you begin and fail, your influence is on the line. Here's the third principle in understanding the law of influence. It is not what you perceive, intend, or hope for that's going to establish your influence. Let me say that again. It is not, it is not, it is not what you perceive, you intend, or you hope for that's going to establish your influence. A lot of people intend well, they mean well, their hopes are well, but influence is not determined by any of that. It is only determined by what you have produced. It is a shocking thing to me how people can sit in places of criticism and judgment and they produce nothing. They can look at you, 
They can look at your tenure. They can look at your successes. They can look at the fruit of your labors. They can look at God's backing of who you are and what he's called you to do. And they have none of it, but yet they have a criticism about you and about what you're doing. Your influence is not about what you think about yourself. It is about what you produce. To gain influence in a particular arena means that the evidence of your influence follows you like a trail and people can see and experience the fruit of your labor. So we know your influence by what we encounter with you. Donald Trump, you think about him, now we think about him as being the president, but you you consider him to be a real estate mogul. You think about uh, Sean Combs, you think about music, you think about Bishop Jakes, you're thinking about conferences uh, conferences and super mega ministry. You think about Benny Hinn, you think about the healing anointing uh, and, and miracle crusades. And you think about Steve Jobs, you think about Apple, you think about Bill Gates, you think about Windows, Microsoft Windows and patents on viruses. But those are their levels and realms of influence. Galatians 6, 3 and 4 says this, as I'm coming to a close. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. This is in the word of God, beloved. If anyone thinks himself to be something. So watch your, uh, your assessment and your valuation of yourself. He says, If you think yourself to be something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. But let each one examine his work. Your examination is not what you think about you, but it's your work. And then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. Here's the fourth and last principle in understanding the law of influence. If you are going to have influence in any arena, your thoughts must shift towards mastery of that arena. Perfection, maturity, mastery, dominion. First Corinthians 9, 24 through 25 says this, Know ye not, they which run in a race run all. Everybody's running, but there's only one that receives the prize. So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. It's necessary to recognize that we are in pursuit of dominion. The crown speaks to dominion and the crowning of an authority which comes after mastery is achieved. It's not the crown of salvation because the Lord Jesus has already won that for us, but it is the crown of mastery and dominion. Become astute and proficient at managing and mastering the things the Lord has entrusted to you. I know you want a lot more. I know you have a world vision. I know you see multiple nations, but can you manage a group? I know that you see that you're called to travel to the nations of the world, but can you get your team to function at an optimal level? Can you get all of the T's crossed and the I's dotted for a whole season? This is where you really are. This is the work that's in your hands. And when you can manage and master what has actually been entrusted to you, it is the divine principle that instigates what is necessary for you to be given more. When you have influence, people will seek you out And it is only then and in that arena that your gift makes room for you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of the Lord. We thank you for influence. I pray particularly that this word will be embraced upon the heart, the mind, and the spirit of the listener. Circumcise both the ears and the hearts so that they can receive this engrafted word. I thank you for kingdom order and dominion. I thank you for influence. I thank you for fruitfulness. I thank you, Father God, for how our gifts and the process that you employ with them brings us to the place of dominion. I thank you for mastery 
in the things that you have given into our hands. I pray for a special delegation and release, a special uh, dispensation of power to be released into the lives of those that believe today, that they would overcome every obstacle, that they would overcome every objection. Thank you, Lord God, that they would overcome every, every objection to the process of mastery and dominion. Father, put your seal on them. Mark them for acceleration in this uh, dimension of dominion. Mark them for mastery in the things that you have entrusted to them. Mark them for being solidified in the assignment and in the task so, so that they can, by a proper process, be vetted to go into the next level and to receive more. Father, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor and the praise. And we thank you for this. Thank you for this word. Thank you for the law of influence. And thank you for what it activates in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. And for those of you that want to accept the Lord into your heart, into your life, I want to pray this prayer with you. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I confess that I've sinned. I confess that I was born into sin. I confess that I was shaped in iniquity. And I acknowledge that you are the only redemption, that you are God in the flesh, that you were born of a virgin, that you came into the earth to be the sinless sacrifice for all of humanity. I believe you, I accept you, and I yield to your lordship over every area of my life. Satan, I renounce you, I renounce your kingdom, I renounce every contract and covenant and agreement with you or your kingdom. And through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, I am set free. I am washed. I am forgiven. I am saved. I am whole. Holy Spirit, please fill me. Baptize me in your power and person and use me for the glory of God the Father. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you pray that sincerely, welcome to the family of God. Get in touch with us, put some comments in there, shoot us an email at www.rcfurlowglobal.com, and we will point you into the direction of what you need to begin your process of maturation. We thank you. We honor you for being with us today, and we pray multiplied favor and blessings be yours. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening to the Ecclesia Global Podcast where once again we believe in the sovereign move of the Lord to reform the church and the spheres of society globally. We'll see you next time.